Welcome to episode 46 of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, The Father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, a.k.a. Matt Rawlings, and I am joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, Jackson the Sun, and welcome to the movie where everyone takes five minutes to walk up or down seven steps. <laughs> yes. Oh, so we are a spoiler podcast. We do spoil the movies we discuss. And on this episode, we are wrapping up our tribute to the late, great Lucio Fulci, who would have turned 93 this June, with his third entry in the Gates of Hell trilogy from 1981, House by the Cemetery. Stephen, where are you? Please answer me. Steve! In this house, what you don't know will hurt you. It was to be a getaway dream. It's becoming a runaway nightmare. Do you see anything? Some old steps going down. He has been awaiting the arrival of his new guests. One by one, they are disappearing. One by bloody one. No! 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 When you move to this house, before you get locked in, read the fine print. Mommy, hurry! You may have just mortgage. Your life, due to the graphic nature of this film, no one under 18 will be admitted. House by the cemetery. All right, buddy, what have you been watching this week? Um, you know what? I was expecting to have seen more, but uh, if I'm honest with myself, I haven't been on top of it, though. I have seen a couple of really exciting things. Uh, number one uh, most exciting thing was a rewatch of Hereditary, um, which I wasn't really? expecting. But I watched it, and I mean, yeah, it's Hereditary. I've already said everything I can say about it, really. Um, great movie, great horror movie. And it was just as emotionally devastating this time around, uh, as always. But also on the non-horror side, I watched uh, Wes Anderson's The Grand Budapest Hotel in preparation for his new movie coming out this year. And uh, that was also just as good as ever. So what do you know? I've, I've had a pretty encouraging experience this week with movies. Oh, nice. Um... Yeah, I'm not the Wes Anderson fan that you are. I, I do like some of his stuff, uh, but not not a huge fan like you are. Um, I watched the Cursed Film series on Shudder. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw that on my uh, on my Shudder feed, and I was like, I need to tune into that. But I saw that it was a series, and I was like, mm, I don't know if I have time. No, it's uh, so there are five episodes. They're only about 30 minutes apiece. Oh, OK, cool. Well, that's perfect. It's like bite sized. And they do Poltergeist, The Omen, The Exorcist. I mean, they, they cover the biggies, right, um, of, of films that have been considered cursed. Uh, the one on The Omen is really freaky. Really, really freaky. Um, H&P just covered it. I listened to their episode on it yesterday. 
So, for example, with the Omen, um, have you seen the Omen, the original? I have, yeah, and I've I've heard some really weird things about the production of that as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm interested to hear what this is about. So, you know that, of course, there's a famous decapitation scene in the Omen mm-hmm. with David Warner. Okay, um, one of the film crew was driving to Omen, England. And at 6.66 kilometers had a wreck and one of his passengers was decapitated. Yikes. Yeah, exactly. that's, that's, that's creepy. That is a cursed movie. Uh, yeah, and uh, Exorcist is probably the one that's freaked me out. Oh, but also Poltergeist with the unfortunate fortunate passing away of its child stars. Yeah. Kind of foreshadowed in the movie. That is a cursed production as well. Dominic um, Dunn and, and Heather O'Rourke, yeah, who yeah. both died, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yikes. There's something, there's something about those sets where, uh, especially, like, evil movies that deal with, like, really heavy material, yeah. something's bound to go wrong. I, I don't know what it is about about horror movies. Well, I the funny thing was they always said that, you know, Poltergeist was cursed because they used real skeletons in the pool mm-hmm. scene. Sure. Um, one of the things I learned when I moved to Hollywood was, well, every film set uses real skeletons. Do they really? They do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. I had and no they, idea. And they say this in the film, which is one of the things that somebody said to me early on while I was in Hollywood, which is, um, are you going to really pay a special effects artist a lot of money to sculpt a skeleton when you can go down to you know, a medical supply store and just buy one for cheap. Yeah, that's true. I I hadn't thought of about it that way, but I just assumed that for insurance purposes or something, they would all be fake. No real handling of decomposing materials on set. But uh, yeah, so I guess it's more of a, uh, of a rare event when uh, real bones of people cause a cursed set. So maybe that wasn't a contributing factor. No, if you watch the, and this is what I heard when I was in Hollywood, so it wasn't anything new, but when you watch the Poltergeist episode, they talk about how like House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Mm -hmm. Price, that was a real skeleton. I mean, on and on and on. They're real skeletons, even in comedies and so forth. Those are real skeletons. Young Frankenstein, those are real skeletons. Um, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't pay somebody to make you one when you can just go buy one for cheap. So, you know, poltergeist was not cursed because of using real skeletons that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of it is, you know, pretty freaky, but the H and P episode, well worth listening to with our buddies, Gilman Joel and Wolfman Josh and Dr. Shock. It's well worth listening to. Absolutely. And they have an interview with uh, the filmmaker who made the series, yeah. Jay Cheel. So that I, I, that's the thing I'm most interested in, just to hear what the story behind the making of the documentary is. But also, um, The Omen, I think, w- would really interest me. I got to tune into that. And The Crow, I see they covered. Yeah. Um, uh, which is a really devastating one. Yes, it is. That's heartbreaking. Um, that is heart-wrenching. Um, and the biggest reveal out of H&P when I listened to it was Wolfman Josh doesn't like the crow. You know what? I've been surprised by his thoughts on, on movies in the past. I guess I've been surprised by all of the members of H&P. But, I mean, if he's got his reasons, I respect it. Well, yeah, I respect Wolfman Josh. He's a great filmmaker. I don't understand why he doesn't like the crow. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I guess it's not everyone's cup of tea, especially if they don't like superheroes and superhero movies. It might not be the movie for them because yeah, it is Aquaman. Ah, the 
that's true. I don't know. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'll I'll tune in to hear his his thoughts on it before I judge too harshly. But yeah, I'll definitely watch that series. Well, he did um, say he would rewatch it. So because he said he hasn't seen it since the nineties. So maybe. Mm-hmm. But anyway, all right. So House by the Cemetery, first time viewing again. Yes. Yeah, it was first time viewing in full. Again, I think I've seen all of these in bits and pieces before, just not the full runtime. So. uh let's talk about this um here's some trivia i unearthed today when i was rewatching it um the first time this was released on vhs whoever produced it had the reels in the wrong order Mm -hmm. so it thoroughly confused people could you imagine seeing this in the wrong order i mean you're talking about confusing (laughs) as it is i mean wow (laughs) yeah i yeah uh, it is confusing, and we, we see that the most confusing parts of Fulci movies are when an edit goes wrong, like with him spilling coffee on the end scene of of uh, <laughs> City of the Living Dead. That's when it becomes more confusing than you can keep right. up with. So, yeah, that definitely would have been uh, just totally bewildering. And, uh, you know, but actually, honestly, watching this in the right order, it's one of the least confusing until the ending, I think, of, of any of the trilogy. Okay, we got to talk, because I, I don't understand this movie at all. Um, so if we're diving into the plot, uh, you have Bob, the kid, right? Oh, great, Bob. Uh, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about Bob and his parents, who move into an old house where, I can't believe they did this, Dr. Freudstein? <laughs> yep. Conducted illegal medical experiments, and spoiler alert, is still around, preying on those who enter the house what did you think of this plot? Did you you were able to follow this? Uh, I was able to loosely follow it. Uh, I thought I knew what was going on until uh, I so I, I watched the first thirty minutes without subtitles um, because I was in an I was in an area where I could hear it just fine. But then the last uh, half of it I watched with subtitles, and the subtitles confused me even more because when I could understand like exactly what everyone was saying at all times, even when they're murmuring. It didn't. It made less sense to me. I just think that's how faulty dialogue works. Um, and we'll talk about uh, one thing I I caught during the subtitles uh, in the movie. But yeah, the plot is very strange and contrived. There's kind of there's almost like time travel paranormal elements in it with yep. uh, people from the 1800s showing up in the present day and um, there in the ghost- form of dolls. Yeah, yep, in the form of dolls, and there's ghost kids, and uh, there's a weird zombie guy who's also kind of like a vampire. Uh, it's a strange, it's a strange uh, scenario, uh, but I think, you know, it's faulty. What do you, what do you expect? It's a faulty movie. It's a Gates of Hell movie. Um, it's gonna have a weird contrived plot, which is basically just a vehicle for some cool kills. Okay, so. Watching, rewatching this today, and I think again, this is probably about the third time I've seen this. I felt a little like Bill Murray's line from Tootsie, which I know is a weird reference, but you know, Bill Murray is a playwright in the movie Tootsie, and he has a line where he says, "You know, I want people to come up to me and say, I saw your play. What happened?" <laughs> is that Fulci's aim? I want to ask Lucio Fulci if he was still around. I was like, okay, I just saw House by the Cemetery, Mister Fulci. What happened? <laughs> How would you describe your own movie? I don't get it. I mean, 
All right, here's the deal. I'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. Uh, a few weeks ago on Shockwaves, uh, the podcast from Blumhouse and Fangoria, Ryan Turek said that during the you know pandemic, he rewatched House by the Cemetery, and he said, I don't care for it. I love Fulci, but this is a lesser Fulci. I think the screenplay is slow. I think it's muddled. I have to say I'm with him. Really? Okay, yep. I I didn't dislike this movie uh but after watching the beyond it was a slog um i think maybe if i think maybe if i had seen this in a double feature with city of the living dead or uh parts of zombie i think maybe this will be more uh understandable or watchable but after the beyond which i think we both agree is his masterpiece or at least uh of the films we reviewed it's, okay, uh, it's it's kind of hard because it's it's kind of like it spikes in the middle of the trilogy and then the quality just goes back down. But I will say there are parts in this movie that I th- that I really admire and I think that are, are really well done. But I feel like he's kind of reverting back to his old ways, whereas the beyond was more traditional with a, like Fulci elements added into it. This is just a Fulci movie where he he kind of retained some of the beyond elements, but at its core, it's the same movie as, as Zombie. Yeah, it's, oh man, um, I'll be honest, I just, I, I can't get into this movie, um, and unfortunately, I think, as we delve into the cast, I think a lot of it is because it hinges on the eight-year-old kid who plays Bob, right, because he's a major mm-hmm. character, and he is, first of all, badly dubbed, mm-hmm. is he not? Awfully dubbed because you can tell that the person dubbing him is not the same age as Bob is supposed to be. Oh, no. no it sounds no. like a 16-year-old trying to dub, what is he, eight, nine? Eight, yeah, he was eight, yeah. Yeah, so it's a little strange because um, May sounds like a little girl, and she's talking yeah. to Bob, and Bob sounds like a like a teen. It's so strange. It sounds like if you go watch the old music video for Hot for Teacher by Van Halen, it sounds like the guy who dubs Waldo in Hot for Teacher. That's what it sounds like. It sounds it does sound like an adult trying to speak through this kid and trying to sound like a kid, which he does not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was distracting because he talks so much. He talks so much, even in scenes where he doesn't have to talk. He's talking. Just narrating oh. what's happening. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. And I did that was one of my first notes. Um, I was talking about the opening. I said it, it's solid, but not as stylish as the Beyond. I like the wide angle shots and the gore effects, but um, uh, not not as good as the Beyond. But then I wrote, but then the child acting, the performance mm. may be fine, but the dubbing is atrocious. I wrote that Bob's voice is so annoying, and it is. Yeah. Uh, it really got on my nerves. Uh, so I mean. Why? My question is why. First of all, why couldn't they get a kid to dub it? Second of all, uh, why does Bob have to be this major player in the movie? Can't we just get the mom and uh, a good actress to yeah. be, be the lead? She kind of takes backseat to Bob and the dad in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Giovanni Frezza um, mm-hmm. plays Bob. He did a handful of flicks in the 80s. All pretty brutal horror movies, by the way, like Demons and Blade in the Dark. Um, he's now a business person in Chicago. Um, but yeah, he is not well served by whoever did the audio editing for this. 
at all. It's it's really, really bad and really, really distracting, in my opinion. Yeah, and uh, they it can be done. I mean, like I said, May uh, Freudstein sounds good. I think her voice yep. is well dubbed. I, I mean, relatively. <laughs> I think relatively it's, it's well yeah. done. Um, like, Cat- is it Catriona McCall? The the yeah. lady that's been in all three of the all Gages three Hell of them. Yeah, yeah. She's she's relatively well dubbed. I mean, it's it's distracting because in the last movie in the Beyond, she had like and a why southern is she accent. Dubbed? She's she's English. Yeah, I know. That's one of the main problems I have uh, with these films is when we when you have a uh, American actor dubbed into Italian, then dubbed back into English. It's kind of it's kind of distracting. Uh, first, I first noticed that in Zombie uh, with the reporter, right? I mean, he's right. he's dubbed into Italian, then back in English, and I'm just thinking, why don't they just keep the original recordings of him talking and only dub that the Italian cut into Italian? But uh, yeah, it, it is very distracting. Um, and poor Giovanni Frezza, his legacy will always be remembered as the annoying kid. I guess yeah. he was in Demons, and he's good in Demons. It- yep, he's in Demons. Yep, he has um, an uncredited role in Demons, also in uh, A Blade in the Dark, a Giallo from 1983. He's yeah, he's got some he's got some credible screen credits, but for sure he's he's never well served. They never. I don't understand why this is the go to kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I they just did him dirty in this movie. Basically, <laughs> I mean, they found the most annoying guy and dubbed. Him. I think you can make anybody seem like a bad actor by just dubbing them over with a terrible like voice dub job. If you go into The Godfather and you dub in all the characters with like annoying squeaky voices that don't quite fit the timing, it would be unwatchable. Yeah, yeah, that is it's an unfortunate fact here. Um... I, I, the audio here is truly terrible. I, you know, there were parts of zombie that I did find distracting as you brought up, but overall with the beyond and city of the living dead, I, I didn't find it that distracting here. I found it really distracting. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because as I'm sure you, you'll want to touch on, I thought the soundtrack wasn't half bad. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I thought that there are, you know, let me go ahead and say there are parts of this movie that I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are parts that are gut churning. There are parts that are suspenseful. But it's just one of those things where you're looking like, OK, whoever was overseeing this in post, what were you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, they really butchered this this movie. I would love to yes. see it recut. If we can get uh, the original uh, film, if we can just get. Uh, all of the footage from the original movie and somebody can recut this and do it right that would be amazing i think even a fan edit would be better than what oh we got. there's a there's a good movie here i mean mm-hmm. and here's the other thing i wanted to bring up i think it's an influential movie all right so think about the movie you saw and think about horror movies that we've seen since then like there's no way you're going to convince me that this didn't influence, say, House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I could, yeah, I could definitely, and that's just Fulci at large. I can yeah. see Rob Zombie and Fulci movies uh, uh, throughout his whole film- filmography, but, uh, yeah, I think this this definitely could have benefited with, even, I think if Fulci was more involved, we wouldn't have ended up with this, um, because I can't see that he would watch this and be like, yep, that's that's my vision, that's exactly what I wanted. Well, you know, he was a heavy drinker and a drug addict, so 
And it was the 80s. And to quote Dave Chappelle, cocaine is a heck of a drug. Um, I mean, Tyrone Biggums. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you brought this up earlier, and I do want to talk about this, the cinematography. Mm -hmm. I thought at times it was really strong. Yeah, and it's still got that. So one of the things that annoyed me in earlier Fallout movies was this, the camera always feels kind of close up and not very mobile. It feels kind of boring. But then in the beyond, it got some really like interesting shots in it. I mean, it's, it's wide yeah. angle, it's mobile, it's, it's doing some cool things. And some of that carries over to this movie, but I don't think it's to the same extent as the beyond. No, no, it's not, it's not as good as the beyond, but I do think there are, there are several shots in this. I thought were pretty stunning. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and maybe that's, we, I brought this up last time. You can go to listen to the last episode, you know, where I brought up, what is it about Fulci? Um, objectively, you can't say these are good movies, and yet somehow we're attracted to them. But I will give him this. I mean, there are times when some of his shots are just stunning. They're really mm -hmm. impressive. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with his use of color. Um, I mean, even in the most mundane scenes, you've got those weird stained glass windows, windows yeah, in this house, and right. those are casting yeah. light into the room, and it looks really, really cool. He's always got an eye for color and uh, weird symmetry and architecture, um, so I'll definitely give him credit for that. Uh, the way that he had this movie shot, uh, is, is, there isn't some inspiration there. Um, and that just goes to show you that uh, in better hands in the post-production post process, this could have been a much better movie. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you brought up the score. I did really like the score on this one. Mm -hmm. I, you know, yeah. It's not Argento, it's not Goblin, but I, I do think it's still pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion, it wasn't as good as The Beyond. It, didn't, it wasn't as interesting to me. It was mostly synth-based. There's nothing in this movie as good as The Beyond. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, my major gripe is that it's all synths. I mean, in The Beyond, we got guitars, we got drums, we got some really cool stuff. Right. Of course, we still got the synths, but it was more interesting. And this is pretty much just back to the Casio. But I think it, it's more interesting. I mean, there's almost like motifs in this movie. There's a Freudstein theme that plays whenever he's <laughs> present, uh, which I thought was really funny, because that reminds me of the Creature from the Black Lagoon movies. Whenever the creature's on screen, it's that bum, bum, bum. It's right. almost like he had seen those Universal movies um, and, and taken cues from that. So, I mean, I respect it for that. It, it was definitely trying more than I think City of the Living Dead was, where they're just kind of slapping a Casio and calling it a score. Yeah, I, I, li I agree with you. It's not the beyond, but I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was decent. Um, I, I do think the film is muddled. I, I don't understand the back and forth. I don't understand the doll thing. I don't understand why the babysitter, Anne, who was a doll who was decapitated and clearly a doll who was decapitated. That's a horrible decapitation scene. That looks terrible. Yeah. I mean, are you talking about in the basement or the mannequin scene? The mannequin scene. Not, not, oh, okay, no. Gotcha. Yeah. Not the second scene where for whatever reason she goes in. I mean, her character makes no sense to me. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought she was paranormal. I thought for sure she was connected. Oh, I agree. But what is she doing going into the basement if she's paranormal? Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure that it was going to be revealed that she knew something that we didn't. Because there's so many weird, mysterious zooms into her eyes. And she's always skulking about. And she's trying to get into the basement at night that one time. And the dad catches her. Right. Um so I'm wondering, like, what's up with her character? And then, oh, she's dead. Okay, well. <laughs> and it kind of reminds me of what happened uh, in the Beyond with the blind lady, who we thought for sure was, like, a spirit. But then she's killed physically by a dog. Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand what's going on with her character. I mean, yeah, she's trying to get in the basement. I agree with you. We're, we're led to believe that she's existed before. She's paranormal. She's been through this before, so that would lead us to believe she knows what's going on. She has some insight, but then she doesn't act like she does, and she's killed like any other person. It makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just kind of wrote off Anne's character as kind of a red herring, maybe. You think that she's more sinister than she is. She just ends up to be another person on the body count. Um, but, you know he kind of seems to do that a lot where he'll introduce a seemingly crazy character. Uh, but then they just get killed kind of reminds me of the city of the living dead. That one, uh, kid that was running around and everybody was distrustful of him and thought he was a murderer, but then he just gets killed by the power drill in the garage. And that's the end of his character. Um, kind of reminded me of that. It seems like Fulci likes to do that. Like there, this is a weird character. Are they the kill? Nope. Never mind. They're dead. Um, so that didn't make any sense to me. Um, but I think the overall plot and like with the, the Freudsteins and, uh, and Dr. Freudstein is more intriguing than that whole little side plot. Um, I think there, there's a, there's really cool ideas there. It just, they weren't able to capitalize upon it and fully like elaborate on what Fulci was thinking. I, I'm still trying to get over that Fulci thought that he could write a character called Dr. Freudstein. <laughs> and people wouldn't roll their eyes. So what I is mean, it, like Frankenstein combined with Sigmund Freud? Yes, and that's ridiculous. I mean, are are you serious? I mean, come on. It's... I mean, he's an Italian guy, and he's looking at, maybe he's, I don't know, but I, I, I can't, uh, I don't know. I was trying to rationalize it. Who it's hasn't kind of heard of Sigmund thing. Freud and Frank? I mean, come on. I grew up in the 80s. There were jokes about Freud and cheers. I mean, this is not mm-hmm. our... What does he think he's doing? I mean, mm-hmm. this makes no sense. Yeah. I I didn't even think about it. I, I was like, oh, that's a stupid name. Whatever. Uh, they they should have probably just called him Frankenstein, and that would have been uh, less distracting. I mean, it has nothing to do with Frankenstein, but you wouldn't have had to dissect it like this, like Freud and Frankenstein. You wouldn't have had to draw the connection. Yeah, it's stupid. Uh, but he's not the best at naming his characters, interestingly. I mean, he just named the kid Bob. I mean, the kid's just named Bob. So, I mean, he's not necessarily one for uh, for making his characters interesting just by name alone uh though i will say when uh dr freudstein shows up he's really creepy he's creepy he doesn't make any sense to me but he's creepy Mm -hmm. um yeah i i don't know i i i'll just be honest i think this movie's a mess (laughs) i think yeah Yeah, I do too. But uh, I think there is a discussion to be had about the interpretations about the ending. 
and what happened, but I guess we'll get to that uh, near the end. No, I just have to talk about it. So you want to talk about the ending? Let's let's do it. Let's do okay. it. So you have Bob kind of narrowly escape the basement, but then he appears to be led off into like a ghost world, like it's the mm-hmm. others or something. I don't. I mean, how did you interpret that ending? So, yeah, so Bob's in the basement. He escapes through the gravestone, and then he's led outside into what appears— the house looks different, right? It looks right. like it, it's back in its eight, its Victorian-era style, I guess, maybe? With, yeah. And May and Bob are led away by Mrs. Freudstein out the door into nature, and then the movie just ends. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what to think. I was like, are they— t- Time tra- How was Mrs. Freudstein back? Is, is she a ghost? Is she just leading a, a child I physically by the hand somehow? No. My interpretation is that uh, Bob is dead. Bob was killed by Dr. Freudstein, and this is the afterlife. Uh, this is purgatory, maybe. That's the only way I can rationalize it, because, first of all, there's no way he was going to escape that. Somehow, Dr. Freudstein, who we've seen kill grown men just by scraping their necks out... Um, right. He somehow can't get a hold on Bob's pants, which have a great many pockets and belt loops. He yes. just can't get a hold on this little this little child. And the child escapes somehow, and then he's just led off by a ghost. I don't think he escaped that basement. I do not think he somehow got through that gravestone. He was probably killed along with his mom, and this is purgatory. Okay. I'll go with that, because I don't know what else to make of it. I, I, I thought it was nonsense myself, but... Uh... So what other notes do you have on House by the Cemetery? Because obviously I'm not high on this one. So you remember when the bat is in the basement and it attacks attacks Mrs. Boyle first and then Mr. Boyle. And it's latched onto Mr. Boyle's hand and he runs up, right? Right. He runs up with the bat on his hand. Bob sees him do this and then asks, and I quote, what's the matter? Oh, my God. Bob, there's a bat on your dad's hand, and it's biting <laughs> blood, and it's just spraying everywhere. What well, are you talking about? he's blood on Bob, too. Yeah, I mean, and there's blood going everywhere. It's a very dramatic scene, and this is what I wanted to touch on. I was talking about the subtitles. In the subtitles for this film, it refers to the bat as a vampire. Really? Yep. The, uh, the subtitles, and I wrote this down, when the bat is squeaking, it says, Vampire Shrieks. Yep. So apparently that bat was a vampire. And I don't know if that's supposed to be another Freudstein, Freudstein of some kind who's also a vampire or something. But according to the subtitles, and oftentimes the subtitles are based off the script. So it may have said in the script that this was supposed to be a vampire. It's a vampire. Um, so there's a vampire. There's a weird zombie guy who's also a scientist. There's ghost children and a ghost mother. And all of this is happening in a brisk one hour and 27 minutes. Yeah, I, the bat thing, okay. Um, I live in an old house. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had to chase three bats out of this house in the last year. Um, one just this past week. A uh, bat showed up on the door that I had to go escort out. You're not allowed to kill <laughs> bats, so you have to... You have to box them and, you know, take them out. And and I'm sorry if you're an animal lover, but if I could kill a bat without, you know, being accused of a felony, I would because uh, I hate bats. But, you know, I did my 
good duty as a citizen and just boxed the thing and took it outside and, you know, released it. Um, but I hate bats. Mm-hmm. And I, so, and I, I, I'm not scared of many animals, sharks, bats, copperheads. That's about it. All right. What about, what about gorillas? Nah, I'm not scared of gorillas. I like gorillas. Okay. Um, I, I, I want to pet a gorilla. I'll be honest. With you. Uh, I really <laughs> want to pet what, orangutan. But yeah, anyway. I think what you want is a, is a Clyde. I think you I want, want a Clyde. I do. Yeah. I, I want a Clyde. I'll be honest about that. Okay, but so you gotta be careful. They throw their poop. So they do. They throw their poop. Um, but yeah, a buddy of mine found that out. I I, I, I practice law with a guy who's. Uh, fraternity at the university of kentucky had a pet orangutan and yeah it just screeched at them and threw his poop at him um but that being said i I hate bats they kind of creep me out that scene was ridiculous Mm -hmm. now i was surprised uh we have a scene where dr boyle is listening to a cassette tape which is super rocking by the way uh nice nice use of the technology they had available i mean i'm sure at the time that was cutting edge they were like whoa that is that is a sick tape but tdk um, baby tdk yeah yeah absolutely used to have them i made mixtapes he's listening to the tape which is an account of the previous scientist i guess the guy he's coming to replace um him talking about his investigation into Freudstein and the suicides and stuff or whatever. It's kind of convoluted, uh, the history behind this plot. But Kind of convoluted? Very. I'll, yeah, I'll go yeah. ahead. I'll, I'll take that extra step. So oh, he's yeah, listening yeah. to it, and he's listening to the guy narrate this, and he's getting flashes of the scene where we see mangled body parts sitting in a room, just kind of sitting scattered in no discernible order. Um right. And then we get a child body and a zoom into the ripped open child's body before right. we flash to Bob. What did you think of that? Made zero sense. Yeah. And here's what I make of that, all right? If you look, I can, I'm 90% sure, that body that is ripped open is the same child corpse that was in Don't Torture a Duckling. I'm not kidding. The one that's in the water. Really? Face. If you look at it, it is strikingly oh. similar. The face on it has I that gotta same... I got to go back and look ear. at that. I didn't notice that. That's what I saw, at least. And, and mind you, I've only seen this once. So maybe I was, you know, hallucinating or something. I don't know. But it looked like it to me. And I was thinking, Fulci had this thing. And he's like, let's use it in a movie. Let's just make a random scene where a guy describes a massacre and we see a child's body ripped open. How about that? And then they did it. It made zero sense. There were some cool gore effects. I mean, granted, it just looked like mannequins with blood and and guts on them. But, I mean, it it was kind of cool. It added some blood to the movie. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I feel like that's exactly what happened. Knowing Fulci, I mean, he, he did some crazy stuff. Um, that seems like something he would do. So that's something that struck me. Although I would say overall, the kills in this, honestly, not as inventive as the Beyond. I mean, in the Beyond, we got no. spiders tearing a guy's tongue uh, and skin off. Um, and this, I think the most, the, the coolest effect we have is maybe Dr. Freudstein uh, stabbing the realtor in the throat. That might be yeah. the coolest effect because that looked really good. Um, and then when uh, Anne is has her throat cut multiple times, it looks really real. I was surprised by that. You can't see the latex effect or anything. It looks it looks real. Um, 
those are the two, two cause effects. But we don't get anything like the reverse eye trauma till from the beyond uh, or the various flesh-ripping kills uh, from a zombie. We don't see that in full. Um, I think the closest thing we get is maybe Dr. Boyle's throat being ripped by Dr. Freudstein. But um, yeah, not as inventive, I would say. Still some some good blood and gore, uh, but not as inventive. So that that's uh, what I have about the gore. Uh, still good. I mean, that's what Fulci's known for. He's known for really disturbing effects. But uh, honestly, I would say I prefer both of the movies in the trilogy to this, gore-wise. Um, Absolutely. So I I just want to ask you, be- before we, we finish up and move on to our ratings or whatever and your final yeah. thoughts, uh, how would you rank the trilogy at large? Because I was surprised that this was closer to City of the Living Dead than I was anticipating. Yeah, I'm not there with you. I I think that the Beyond obviously is number one. I do mm-hmm. think, other than the Psychic, which I love by Fulci, I think it is his masterpiece. I think that the Beyond and 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 the Psychic are his two best films. Though I do love Don't Torture a Duckling. I think Zombies a lot of fun. City of the Living Dead's a lot of fun. Um, this one is way low for me. Really? Y- yeah. It's not high up there. Yeah. That surprised me. Um, right now, for me, uh, I think it's the Beyond at the top for the trilogy. I'm just talking about the Gates of Hell trilogy. Beyond at sure. the top. And then City of the Living Dead and this are tied. Because I think, wow, from a technical standpoint, this is better made just cinematography-wise and gore-wise. But City of the Living Dead was less confusing and the dubbing was, wasn't as bad. Um, so well, that's, yeah, that's and think. it's also, I think, City of the Living Dead, I think that um, the cast was better. I think that, I, I just, I think it was creepier all throughout. I don't think the kills were that impressive in this movie. I just, I, this seems like Fulci phoning it in. Yeah, but the world is ending, let's get a snack. It doesn't really, uh, doesn't well, really yeah, oh, me that we've talked about that. That is ridiculous. I, I, I agree with you. That is ridiculous. But other than that, mm-hmm. um, I thought City of the Living Dead was a lot of fun. Now, the Beyond, yeah, the Beyond is just, I think it's just a, a really well-made horror film. Um, City of the Living Dead, I love Christopher George. I think he's fantastic. Uh, the opening where the priest commits suicide to open the gates of hell. Like, that's something I wanted to bring up. I mean, is this a gates of hell movie? What what, what opened the gate of hell? What? How does this fit in with the other two? I struggle with that. Because there's not really zombies in this. There's Dr. Feldstein. No. He's one zombie, maybe. Uh, but did he ever die, or has he just been sucking the life out of it, people? It, it appears he's just sucking the life out of people. Where's the gate of hell in this? I'm thinking maybe his experiment, his experiments are so heinous that they opened hell, uh, but we don't see any zombies or anything. Well, that's interpretation, we don't... right? Because it's not sure. stated. That's not stated. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I have no idea. I guess it wasn't really elaborated upon in the Beyond either. It's just kind of like he's trying to close them, but then well, they talk he about that like when the guys in the library that mm-hmm. it's you know this is you know that it could open the gates. This is one of the seven gates of hell. Yeah. But they don't even allude to that in this one, even though I read in the trivia. Um, so Bob's dad is in the same library where they filmed City of the Living Dead and the Beyond. Or really? The Beyond, at the same library. And 
he never mentions it. I'm like, what? I, I kept waiting for it, but it never happened. Oh my gosh, we forgot to talk about the library guy. Oh my gosh. Do you remember? Wow. Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy creeped me out. He should have been the villain. I, I can see that, though I don't think he was the strong. Well, I, I shouldn't say this. I, I say that nobody in this movie is a strong, gives a strong performance, but that's largely due to the bad dubbing. Mm hmm. And the writing is still not very strong. I mean, Fulci is not known for his snappy dialogue, but this yeah. wasn't wasn't very insightful either. Um, I think Catriona McCall was doing the best she can, uh, yeah. but this is not her strongest performance out of the trilogy. Obviously, she was way better uh, in the previous two films. Um, and I think Dr. Norman, Norman Boyle is fine, though he kind of just plays that stereotypical dad who's just like, He's everything's vanilla. fine, honey. Yeah, he is very vanilla. Um, so I was creeped out, though, by the guy who works at the library. And I was like, why is he here? Daniel Douglas is his character's name. Um, why? What is, his, what is the point of his character? All he does is show up and go, he, 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 and sneer and, and rub his hands together. Yeah, what he's got he, a Renfield kind of feel yeah. to him. It's kind and of it weird. Seems, yeah. It seems like he's also kind of a red herring because he's trying to keep something from... Uh, the doctor as well, because it seems like he well, comes there's in that, on that whole thing where they're in the town, like, well, you were here last year with your little girl. Yeah, like, yeah. No, I wasn't. And that's never explained. We have no yeah. idea what that's about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what we really would have needed is Fulci to explain this himself, because I really don't think anybody but him could give us a conclusive answer. And maybe not even him. He's like, what? What are you talking about? I don't even remember that movie. Um, but uh, the drug. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for I sure. Don't, I, uh, I just don't get it. So anything else you want to talk about before we rate and recommend this thing? I guess I'll just, I'll just touch on my overall thoughts before I get to my review, my rating. Um, so I would say just to, to really pare my review down, cinema, cinematography isn't bad, um, nor is the visual editing. I think they're a, cute, a full... There, there's some cool edits. I don't think it's it's his masterpiece editing wise, but um, I really like uh, the slow fades from uh, girl in the window to not girl in the window. That kind of gave me a chuckle. It's like, oh, jump scare. Where did she go? Except it was a slow dissolve. Right. Um, so, but it's not it's not that bad. I think it's less confusing uh, than some of his earlier work. Uh, the dubbing is distracting as usual, I think. But I've gotten more used to it at this point. Other than Bob, it wasn't that uh, horrendous. Um, and the writing and the gore, though, I feel like they actually took steps back from the beyond. This wasn't a progression, uh, but I was still entertained. It's it's not a time sink at all. Um, it's a very short movie. And uh, I guess it, if you're looking for a Fulci movie, it'll give you everything that you come to expect from it. And good soundtrack. I forgot to mention that. Let me ask you this, too, because I forgot about this earlier. I brought up House of a Thousand Corpses. Do you think this influenced Sinister? Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. The, the part that I think would influence Sinister the most is uh, Dr. Boyle listening to the tape. Of the right. massacres. Yes, uh, absolutely. Sort of like yeah. Ethan Hawke watching the Super 8 films. Right. Um, so, and, I mean, I could I could maybe see this influencing future movies, and it does, obviously. Rob Zombie is a big one. But um, oh, yeah. I, I 
think House of a Thousand Corpses is a a better movie than this. Uh, A better horror movie, certainly. Yes. Um, And, I mean, it seems like they had the same amount of budget to work with for those films. So, um, I, I guess I'm ready to move on to my rating. You know, I was higher on this. I think I gave it a 6.5 out of 10 uh, when we started our conversation, but I think I've, I, it's a 6.25 uh, now out of 10. It's, it's um, sunk down a little bit for me because I had just watched it when I had written my notes. But now that I'm looking back on it, I think that it is one of the weaker ones we've talked about. Um, there are some great moments in it. But I think those are outshined by the mediocre and subpar. Um, so still 6.25 because Fulci is always a treat to to watch. And um, I wanted to consume his filmography um, just in celebration of his life. But but this is this is definitely one of the weirder and uh, and weaker ones. Yeah, I I'm not as high. It's a five out of ten for me. Um, I'm coming down the middle. I think it is worth a one-time watch. It is streaming on Shutter, but that's as far as I'm going to go. Um, I, I, and you've you've seen it three times, and I've only seen it once. So your yeah. perspective is 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 uh, definitely. I I would say leaning more towards him and and watch it just once. I would say um, if you've already seen it and you want to freshen up, watch it if you, if you want it as streaming on Shutter. But um, but he's seen it three times, so you could probably take his opinion more. Yeah, as, uh, as, as that. That, that I, I, I would guess that more of our that our audience is going to be closer to you than me. But that, you know what, whatever we'll see. I, I, I just think it's a mess. Um, but I, I do think there are enough scenes in it that are strong. Mm-hmm. that I do think stick out that it's worth it. And I'll go back to it again. I'll say, I said it last week. I'll say it again. There's just something about Fulci. I don't know what it is. Objectively, I, I sit there and go, it's it, he's making pieces of crap. But at the same time, I can't stop watching them. So I don't know what it is. There's just something about Fulci. You know, oh, he had that. He had that thing. And one thing I forgot to mention uh, is that he has a bigger part in this than usual. I mean, he's got a, a whole scene, uh, yep, basically, yep. him talking to Dr. Boyle, uh, this time dubbed over with a New York accent. Last time it was a Southern accent, now it's a New York accent. Yeah. That was awesome. Uh, I, I will give it that. That that was a great little bit part. Um, so I think that this little uh, charming parts of this movie are what make it more positive than negative for me. Uh, rather than coming right down the middle, but yeah, that my mine was a six point two five, but that might change with time. Yeah. So well, yeah, and it's like I said, it's a five for me, but I'm not I'm not saying it's unenjoyable. I do think the screenplay is muddled. I think the audio is terrible. That being said, there are some strong scenes. If you're a horror fan, it's worth watching. So I I, I will go there on it. Um. So. We want to thank our Patreon supporters um, for, you know, supporting this podcast. And we hope to do a Patreon bonus episode soon. You can go uh, search Patreon, Father and Son Watch Horror, and become a Patreon supporter. We would appreciate it. And so, um, and we do put special episodes just for our Patreon supporters on there. And in fact, we will have here in the next week or two, one of our Patreon supporters on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's been a long time coming. 
uh, one of my uh, favorite uh, people online talking about horror movies is coming on to uh, talk about something near and dear to their heart. So um, we're always happy to have them on uh, the podcast. And I made uh, two videos last week uh, for a patron. So if you'd like to support us there, uh, that's the best way to do it. Absolutely. And we also want to say once again, um, I was watching Joe Bob on on Friday. Um, I want to congratulate H&P for winning the Silver Bolo Award two weeks ago. We are nominated for that. Um, I did receive an email from Joe Bob several months ago saying that Father and Son Watch Horror Movies is nominated for a Silver Bolo Award. Um, I, you know, I don't know if we'll win. Uh, maybe not. And I would be lying to say it's an honor just to be nominated. I'm mm-hmm. not going to do that. Um, but uh, because we'd like to win. But if we don't, that's OK. It, it is really cool that and it was Joe Bob, not Darcy. Darcy reached out to h but it was actually Joe Bob's Twitter account that sent us a message and said, hey, you guys are, you know, up for the Silver Bolo Award. Um and check out the last drive-in. I've been having a lot of fun. Win, lose, or not, it's it's a lot of fun. And I, I thought it was really cool that HNP won. You know, they're obviously something that we've been listening to for a long time, haven't we, buddy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they were my first big horror podcast. Uh, still remember four years ago now, it must be, listening to their Stephen King uh, winter episodes. And yeah. just li- listening to them in one sitting. Uh, so yeah, that they are awesome, um, and uh, poor Gilman not getting mentioned, but still he is uh, an awesome host. And I want it duly noted: the first person who tweeted Darcy and Joe Bob, mm-hmm. I was the first person who tweeted Darcy and and, and Joe Bob said, "You forgot Gilman Joel," because uh, I I tweeted it literally while they were reading it off, and I was like, "What?" And so I. Not saying I want credit. Not saying I don't <laughs> either. Um, but so be it. So, folks, you can find us online at fatherandsonwatchhorror.com. You can also find us on Twitter. And also, um, you can follow us online. Where can they find you, buddy? On Twitter, I'm at Kane underscore Hero 12. That's K A I N E underscore Hero 12. On Letterboxd, I'm at Kane Hero. That's one word. And you can find my YouTube channel floating around the interwebs. Yeah, great stuff. And so you can find me as Pastor Matt R on Letterboxd and Twitter. We also have a closed Facebook group that uh, is growing, so you can send a request in there as well. And so we want to give a shout out to our favorite podcasts out there, our horror movie podcast, Land of the Creeps, uh, Retro Movie Geek, um, Terror on the Tube, The Hum Podcast, all those guys. We love you guys. Tune into those as well. Uh, support them as much as you can. And so I will say that maybe next week we've got some coordinating to do, but we have a Patreon, um, Amy Swan, correct? Mm -hmm. And so she wants to do kids horror. And so you want to talk a little bit about that, what we're looking forward to next? Yeah. So I put it out there, uh, one of the major things that uh, our Patreon page is for is to get people on the podcast and um, have them suggest stuff for us to do. Uh, And Amy came forward and said uh, that she wanted to do an episode on children's horror because she feels like it's not something uh, that is said 
you know, enough. It's covered enough. Um, right. So we're going to be covering children's horror movies. What she has listed here are Monster House, Poltergeist, and Gremlins, which are favorites of oh, ours. Yeah. I know, at least the last two. And I don't know if you've seen Monster House or not, but that was a childhood favorite of mine. Um, so I haven't seen Monster House in a long time, so I'll have to recheck that out. I mean, I know gremlins and poltergeist off the top of my head but but monster house has been a while i'll have to recheck that and i i told you you know amy thank you but i'm going to be bringing up some scooby-doo because <laughs> i love me some scooby-doo so we will yep. also be talking some scooby-doo and uh and as an exciting bonus uh she has a kid who would like to also be on the podcast a 14 awesome. year old who would awesome. love to talk children's horror. So there may be uh, another uh, person of the younger generation accompanying me on uh, next week's pod. So that'll be a treat. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. So that's coming up hopefully next week. If not, uh, we'll coordinate with Amy and, and see when we can get that recorded as quickly as possible. I know you're at the beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For some reason going into the ocean. Hey, man, I can't help it. I, I, I've seen Jaws a great many times, but uh, it just can't keep me away from the ocean. I'm sorry. There is fish poop. Mm-hmm. It is murky water, and there are man-eating dinosaurs. Why would you go in there? It's a lot of fun. Why? I mean, have you ever boogie boarded? A lot of fun? Yeah. That's what people said when they went to Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> I guess that's true. Hey, uh, if I hear the bottom, bottom, I'll know exactly where to head, straight to the shore. Uh, so don't you worry about me. All you're going to hear is your foot being chomped off. Stop that's it. True. Oh, it, oh. it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll know exactly what that sounds like, too, uh, thanks to Fulci. Don't go in the water. Don't. You don't go in the ocean, folks. There, you, you don't. God <laughs> has all but put up a no trespassing sign. Yes. Don't go in the water. Just stay away. <sighs> all right. Anyway, folks, we appreciate you listening. Uh, we appreciate a five-star review on iTunes. So, Jackson, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye, and remember to seal the crack in your kitchen coffin. Yeah, no joke. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. And remember, the family that watches horror movies together slays together. See you next time.